This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 203. In this episode, I got to hang out with my friend Xavier Dogba to chat about setting boundaries with adults as adults. Gosh, this is a hot one as we come into some holiday time for folks, a lot of family time, but really it's a hot one for all the time. What does this look like? What comes up for us from our childhood and our social programming and our patterns and habits when we set boundaries with other adults? I know that it can be super loaded and I'm jazzed to share this episode with you. Xavier is a fantastic follow over on Instagram as well. If you want to head over there and follow him. All right, folks, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today I'm here with Xavier Dogba. Hey Xavier, how are you? I am doing great, Alyssa. Thank you for inviting me into your village. I am honored to be here. I'm so jazzed that you're here too. I came across your Instagram and just like can't stop sharing and falling in love with everything that you share. I'm like, yes, this speaks so much to our work. Uh, It's so in alignment. So I'm glad that you carved out time to hang out with me today. That's fantastic. It's my honor, actually. I'm really honored to be here. I'm excited. I am anxious. I am eager. I'm all the things and I'm just overall happy. Thank you. Can you share with our village a little bit about who you are and kind of what brought you here today? Well, I'm a transformational life coach and and, um, that's what I do for a living. Now, who am I? I often have a hard time with that question. I am a human being. (laughs) I am a spiritual being hiding in the human body for now. I'm a father. I'm a spouse. I'm a dad. So... It's a huge part of what I do daily. And I'm just somebody who is like so eager about helping others. And this is what brought me to this line of work. And this is what I'm trying to do with all my presence online, just sharing things that help me on my own journey. And I am just so excited that some of it resonated with you. And I hope that it can serve your community. So. Um, if you have any other specific questions about me, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer them all. <laughs> but for now, this is what can come up about me. I love it. There's no wrong answer. I'm sure we'll get into more of who you are as we go through. Today, I want to chat specifically about boundaries. It's a topic that comes up so often because we can't do this work without boundaries, uh, yeah. and it's often a word that makes people have some feelings. Yeah. What 
what is boundaries or what do boundaries mean to you? The way I see boundaries um, in two ways. The first thing is they are the boundaries is a way to get the space that you need to honor your truth. And also boundaries are a way for you to show to others who you really are. Because in my experience, when you have loose boundaries or when you don't have boundaries, you are giving a fake image of yourself to the rest of the world. Because you are over you are overextending yourself many times. You are bending who you want so many levels to meet them. So especially your loved ones, they don't have a true image of who you are when you don't have boundaries because you you most of the time you are allowing them to see a, a facade just so that you can be, you know, accepted by them. And boundaries for me is just the it's just a way first to give them this is really who I am. This is what I'm willing to accept. This is what I'm willing not to accept. And it's also getting that space where you give yourself permission to be true within those boundaries. So it's not only for you to be true to yourself, but it's also for them to see who you really are. And um, it's also for you to honor your truth. And that's how I see boundaries. And this is often how I'm trying to get this across to other people. And the reason why boundaries are so, such a touchy subject is because it's so related to a fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. You know, it's, if, I, if I really stand for who I am, you know, I might be rejected for it. So it's really sensitive, especially when we've been brought up in an environment that was full of codependency. So it is really, really scary for people to assert their boundaries. Yeah, that's the word that came up for me as you were just sharing about boundaries was that word codependency. As you were sharing about like living in your truth and setting up, you know, this is who I am, what I will or won't accept, takes a level of independence to be able yeah. to do that, right? And that fear of like, will you love me? Am I lovable? If yeah. I set and hold a boundary, it's so real. Um, yeah. Let's chat a little bit more about that relationship of like codependency and, and really where that starts and, and how it's fostered and, and how it relates to boundaries or lack thereof. Yeah, I think codependency just starts in the family. You know, it starts there because as a kid, um, if there are parents listening to this and if there are parents that have that desire not to uh, forgive my French for this, not to fuck up their kids, um, I'll just invite them to breathe in deeply because I'm going to, I'm going to disclose something. It's going to happen. You know, no matter how loving you are, you know, no matter how much you want to avoid doing what your parents did and you will because of that desire, but to some degree, we just can't meet all the needs of those tiny humans, you know, because sometimes they, they have even, they have needs that we don't even perceive. And what happens when a kid has a need that you don't perceive as a parent is you deny that need. And the kid needs you for survival. Like that kid really has no other way to navigate life without you for a long for a long time so in order to be able to be functional in the environment that you design as a parent they also have to deny the need they also have to abandon themselves in some way so that they can match the expectation that you have of them and as they do that they learn to disown their own needs in order to be approved of by you even though even if you are not doing that intentionally even if you are not willing to hurt, but there's a hurt that happens there because the kid learns how to disown a part of himself so that he can remain functional in the family system. And this is where codependency begins. It's like, I learned to just like show up this way so that moms like it. Mm -hmm. I get to show up this way so that dads like it. I get to show up this way so that I receive affection from dad or from mom. And this is really where it begins. And sometimes it amplifies from there. I mean, this has been my experience as well.
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's, you know, a couple of things came up when you were saying that we talk a lot about kids not being responsible for our feelings and, and that being unique to an attachment relationship, right? When we're looking at secure attachment and the goal of that and our ability to self-regulate so that they aren't in charge of our regulation. Um, and we're not going to do this a hundred percent of the time. My husband, Zach, I, we've, like joked about like, I wonder what our kids will be in therapy for one day. Like uh, uh, what I want them to know is you can absolutely go to therapy and you, my goal isn't that you get to adulthood and we as parents have been flawless. (laughs) Like that's not the goal here. And to really accept that, I I like that you put up in quotes there for folks who are tuning in here. That was in quotes because we are going to make mistakes along the way. And it's not about perfection. It's just about progress here. And we, you know, in parenthood, you start with a human who is dependent on you for survival, right? There is this codependency right from the very beginning in order to survive. And then as we move on, it's moving towards independence, right? It might be even like the first time they go to school and you separate or that first sleepover or when they choose to hang out with a friend over you and you're like, how did we get here? (laughs) And and being able to let that happen without them being responsible for, for our feelings as the adult, it's such a hard shift, I think, for so many of us to make because you want to hold on to those moments of when they need you, that desire to be needed as they Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like um, there is a part of the, there is a part in that journey, in their journey that is going to be unconscious for us. The way we are going to harm, most of it is going to be unconscious because I would assume that as a loving parent, if you see that you are being hurtful to your kid, you are gonna do something about it or you are gonna try to avoid it. So most of the pain that we are gonna inflict because it is gonna happen. And it's just like, we need to, like there is a writer that I love. Her name is Carolyn Miss. Maybe you know her. She talks about it as the sacred wounds of parenting because they are needed. And because uh, going to adulthood is teaching the kids how to actually claim again the parts of themselves that were disowned in childhood. So it's like there is that transition where the most important is to be very diligent on teaching the kids how to actually own themselves again. And this is the part that is not happening. So we have a lot of kids in adult bodies. You know, this is a part that is not happening. It's like we don't get to Honestly, I want my kids to go to therapy. Yeah. I wish it was available for me when I was transitioning into adulthood. It wasn't, right? So I've had to learn a lot of things by myself. And it's just later on that I began to get help when I needed. And if they need help, as first in the in the family circle where you are actually sharing with them the very tools that you are using right now in order to reparent yourself. Like, I feel like there's a, a, a huge need to share that with them as well mm. when they begin their journey into adulthood. Yeah, that vulnerability. Well, so when we now get to adulthood and we come here with some codependency, and a lot of yeah. us do, uh, let's chat about why it feels or can often feel so uncomfortable to set and and hold boundaries. Um, Somebody DM'd me the other day and asked me a question. Then she was like, oh, I'm so sorry for bothering you. And I was like, oh, babe, it's my job to regulate my boundaries here. It's not yours. Like you can DM me 8,000 times a day if you want. And it's my job to choose when I have the time or energy to respond and what I have the capacity to respond to or not. And she was like, nobody's ever said that to me, that it was their job to regulate those boundaries. And I was like, whoa, uh, (laughs) whoa, that's so wild. And so how do we move into this? How do we go from this codependency and discomfort with setting and holding boundaries to really being able to assertively do so and, and, and own that as our responsibility as a human? Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. I feel like the first step to be able to do that without being aggressive, with full assertiveness, it is to claim yourself again. You won't be able to, you won't, like, the first step to setting and owning boundaries, in my opinion, is really to begin the journey of healing the abandonment wounds. Because if those abandonment wounds are still heightened when you are willing to assert a boundary, it is going to feel, it's going to be the most extremely and safe thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and those abandonment wounds are those parts of yourself in there, you know, that felt, that found safety in pleasing. Mm-hmm. Because this is what happened as a kid. You found safety in pleasing others. You found safety in actually um, disowning yourself. And it became a very safe thing to do. So right now, when you, are start, when you are trying to set a boundary, you are really going against yourself. It really has nothing to do with others. It is you addressing that part within you that is like, what is going on with you? You know, for the longest time, for 20 years, this is what we did in order to feel safe. And now all of a sudden you want to change what is wrong with you. You know, you are attacking me here. So it's like, you become this self, you get ready for change. So you become this self that is ready for more, right? Because of the experiences that you went through, you understand from now on, I need to stand up for myself. But there is still a part of yourself that is unaddressed. Usually people just want to jump into setting boundaries mm-hmm. without dealing with the fear of, of rejection, of abandonment. And only you can rescue those parts of yourself that are abandoned and when you do that actually you show up from a different perspective it becomes safe for somebody to reject you because of your boundary because now you have you now you can be a stand for yourself now you own the disowned parts again you know and when you are able to reestablish that to really healing the abandonment wounds is really healing the self-abandonment meaning you going back and owning the parts of yourself that you disowned in order to please. And when you do that, there is a sense of safety. It becomes even safe for you to be rejected because of the boundary, because now you're not going to reject yourself anymore as a byproduct of their rejection. Because what happened in childhood, you rejected yourself 
meaning disowns yourself, disown the desire, disown an expression of yourself, has a byproduct, a byproduct of your parents rejecting you. And this is really what created the, the biggest amount of pain. So I feel like the first step is really addressing the abandonment fear that is in there, the wound that is still open. And when you do that, you just claim the tremendous amount of power to stand in your truth and to be like, this is who I'm willing to be right now. And it's safe for me if you don't accept it. Oh, that's so powerful. It's so powerful because it hits on so much more than that fear of abandonment. It's that fear of not being loved, of not being enough. And, you know, so often we hear of this, like, I'm a recovering people pleaser. And I think you're absolutely right that what we're missing in that quote unquote recovery of people pleasing is the healing of those, those deep wounds from childhood. And how did we get to the point of people pleasing is really what to look at. What, what brought us here? What were we afraid of or, or what were we doing? You know, these are all coping mechanisms we've adapted that were meant to keep us safe, that were crucial in childhood. We didn't do anything wrong. And we did what we needed to do to feel safe. And it also for a hot minute brought up for me this concept of mom guilt, which we hear a lot of here. And uh, really that fear of not being enough, not being good enough. And I think that, you know, at least in the culture that I grew up in, it was more commonplace for dads to set boundaries of like, I need time with my friends or I need time by myself or I need to be able to go to work or I need whatever. And just unapologetically, I'm going to do this because it's a part of me being me and that we've developed this pattern often in motherhood and in for women of, I'm going to do this, but am I allowed to? Will people still love me? Will I be a good enough mom or friend or person if I take care of myself? And just the boundaries around self-care that clicked for me as you were chatting. So there is that, that, and sometimes I feel sorry for women and I feel sorry for my fiance because of it, because I can see that she also runs a business. So Sometimes she feels that guilt and you cannot just tell somebody, stop feeling like that. Right. Right. It doesn't work. You cannot just tell somebody, oh, it's okay not to do this. It doesn't work because sometimes it's just visceral, you know, and it goes beyond yourself. It's like, as you are trying to disconnect from that belief, you are also rejecting your elders, you are also rejecting your mom, you are also rejecting your culture, you are becoming an outcast, and there is a need for belonging Mm -hmm. in all those things, you know, kids, like, kids will disown their needs so that they can agree to what the parent uh, is saying, because they want to belong, we want to belong, we want to belong to our communities, so when you get brought up in this, there is also the fear of not belonging anymore. Mm -hmm. So it goes beyond just like, I am going to set this boundary now. And fortunately, maybe not. Guys, um, this is how for men, it has been going on. So by them saying, I actually want to take time for this, same time for this, they are still in their own matrix of how manhood should be. So it just feels true to them, you know, but just like, Unfortunately enough for women, it takes to disconnect from the belief. It it takes to actually create safety internally again Mm -hmm. with the fact that by choosing to show up from this perspective, what is really happening, what is really going on here is that I take a stand for something that my elders and that Mm -hmm. the society where I grew up with or the culture I grew up with never allowed it was never safe to do that so there is also a fear there and i and i think it is in every time there is a fear to stand up for your truth there is self-abandonment somewhere there is self-abandonment somewhere there is a part of yourself that you've disowned somewhere and you get to go there again and to really own it again with all the consequences because owning a part of you meaning means also owning all the consequences that might happen out of this. Maybe your mom can tell you, you are selfish if you choose to show up like this. Mm-hmm. But what you don't see is 
you are taking a stand for yourself. And it's really crazy how kids model their own level of self-worth based on how their moms modeled it for themselves is that you can't tell it to a kid. We see it. We see it. And you can only be it for them. And it's crazy how the loving, empower, empowered women out there that dared to be like, I, I, I don't deserve it. I am worthy of it. Because in deserving, there is a need to effort. There is a need to prove. You need to do something so that you deserve. Mm -hmm. But you claim worthiness. You remember worthiness. And when you're like, I claim this for myself as a mom, it is the most empowering thing that a kid gets to see. To see a mom be like, I am worthy of this. I can hold both. I can hold my desires for you and my desire for myself. It's not an either or. I can be a great mom and I can be a great dreamer. This is the most powerful thing ever for a kid to watch. I love it. It made me a little teary. I'm currently pregnant. And so also I'm feeling a lot of emotions. <laughs> it made me a little teary. I was like, yes, we can. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I think you brought up something that's really crucial when we are going to set a boundary. When you get to that place where you're ready to do that and to claim it, that yeah, you might hear from people that you're selfish and it doesn't, when, when you set boundaries, it doesn't mean that other people are going to love them, <laughs> especially because like you said, we've been doing this for so many years, right? 10, 20, 30, 40 years where we've been operating in a certain manner. And when we make that shift, it dysregulates the system, not just within us, but within the family system or within our community where we're setting a new boundary. And that's a shock to every, maybe your mom wasn't choosing for you to set a new boundary and now you are. Uh, and that's a shock to her. And so being in a place where we, where it's okay to yeah. have somebody react or respond in a way that we had once feared. Absolutely. And it's very necessary. And, and, and in my experience, the first, the first attempts are going to be very clumsy. Mm -hmm. You will find yourself over explaining your boundaries to somebody. You will find yourself trying to get them to accept their, um, your own boundaries. This is usually what happens when we begin. I need you to understand that I need this right now. You know, there is a need. And this is also another expression of the fear of abandonment. Like if you're going to set the boundary, I need them to accept the boundary unless they're going to abandon me. You know, so we, we fall into over-explaining. We fear that they're going to reject us. So we try to negotiate the boundary, actually. But I need you to get it. Like, I need this space right now. You know, it happens within families. It happens with maybe your husband or, you know, your, the father of the kids when you, you want to have, let's say, an hour for yourself a day, you know, just away from the kids, an hour just for you. So... There is going to be that need to over-explain, to defend even. And when you get defensive there, it still means that on some level you haven't fully accepted yeah. yourself. It still means that on some level you are still resisting. It's not fully safe for you yet. And then you get to go there and integrate it again. You know. But what is really important is when you get to the place, like the, the ingredient that is really necessary in order to assert the boundaries with emotional sovereignty, if we're going to use that term, is compassion. Mm. And compassion for the other, where you are able to see them in their fear because they, they literally feel that they are losing you. Mm -hmm. This is also what is happening for them. Because when you change, you are also disrupting their own environment. And they are getting to deal with all of a sudden this new person, like, who are you? You know, where is my friend or where is my partner? Mm -hmm. So understanding that it's also disruptive for them and showing up with compassion and being willing to have also compassion for self first, meaning this is what I need right now for my truer self-expression and I am not willing to budge. And you also give to that person, the other person, 
an opportunity to practice and learn even more unconditional love mm-hmm. and to expose really the quality of the relationship that they had with you. Because somebody who is willing to love you, even if they, they disagree at first, they're going to take a step back and reframe and do their own inner work in order to meet you again somewhere. And they're going to meet you at the frontier of that boundary. And this is how it should be, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. I love that you brought up that it is really like when you're trying to convince them of here or justifying or defending your boundary that you're doing that for yourself, too. Still. Yeah. And and it's okay if it's clumsy at first. It's okay if you are beginning on this journey and it, it isn't perfect from the get go. Yeah, for and sure. just about this thing is it is very important to not make yourself wrong in the whole process. It is so crucial not to make yourself wrong. Like I'm not even able to hold my boundaries. How shitty am I for that? Mm-hmm. You know, that judgment, that oppressive voice that is usually a voice that we borrowed from somebody. You know, it's really important to see it. And it's really important to actually act despite it. You know, you can't suppress any part of yourself and claim to be whole. So you need to be able to see it and to come back to yourself, self with big S, and to just choose to keep going despite the voice that is there. So it's really necessary not to identify with that voice that is sometimes oppressive of yourself. Like, oh my God, you can't even hold this little boundary. Oh, you tried again and you failed again. Like all the ways you do it, you know your voice, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really important to see it and to come back to self and to go again. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Yeah, totally. And it can feel in that moment like that is who you are. That voice can feel so powerful. Uh, But it can be hard to step back and see it as other not yeah. as, as not ourselves totally i think as specifically as parents i i believe that setting and holding boundaries is one of the most powerful and loving gifts that we can give children uh, both for ourselves and with them and i find in our village that a lot of folks who grew up with really strict boundaries perhaps in the household um, or with no boundaries, that there's that there's a pendulum swing, and there's this fear of if if I set this boundary with my kid, will they still love me? Will they feel loved? Will they know that I love them if I pick them up and put them in a car seat because they won't climb in? Or if I say it's time to turn off the TV and 
give them choice and how that happens. And it ends up with me turning off the TV and them disappointed in this boundary. Will they still know that I love them? Will they still feel loved? Is something that comes up a lot in our village. And, you know, you're a dad of two. And so this is probably your everyday life. Absolutely. (laughs) Let's chat about that. What comes up for you as a dad when you're setting and holding boundaries with your babes and when they're disappointed about the boundary? Yeah. Um, actually, I, I, I'm going to be honest is I have fully surrendered to the, to the idea that it is a need. It is a must. Like as much as they need love, they also need structure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, and they need that within each partner. Like they need your flow and they need your structure. They need your own expression of the masculine energy and they need your own expression of the feminine like they need me showing up in full love and like hugging and all the ways I am ready to express love as, you know, embodying my feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And they also need me in my structure, in the masculine holding space and setting guidelines. They need that, you know? So, and I also understand that they're not going to love all of it, especially when it comes to, it's like, especially for women, they have a hard time with the, the masculine energy that comes with setting boundaries because it is, in its in essence, it is um, a paradigm of masculine energy, which is like it happens this way, setting structure, setting um, kind of rules. And what came up for me initially, because my partner, she is so loving, and she, and my firstborn is a boy. And we've had, we have two under two. And the two, it's like, we've had two C-sections. So the se- after the second C-section, she needed time to recover, but he is still under two. So he's still very clingy. He still needs her a lot. So he was jumping all over her and she needed that space because she was healing, right? Mm-hmm. And she was letting it happen and the healing was taking so much. And I could see that she was, such in pain because she wanted to be there for him but just physically couldn't have him sometimes because he's a big boy and he's gonna touch her wound and all those things so it was hard for her to actually lean into that and then at some point I was like it is also very necessary and needed for him to see that so it's like and diving and accepting the truth that they are not going to like it, but they need it. Mm-hmm. They are not going to like it all the time, but they need it. And it's like, you can feel within your heart when you come from a place of love or when you come from a place of like, that is not balanced. You know, I, I, I will never assume that a, a parent sometimes to want to hurt, but just like you come from a place that is ungrounded. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it is, sorry. I think usually from a place of fear and like that desire to control. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the way I go around it, honestly, is I, I blow the two fire, you know, the fire of love Mm -hmm. and I make sure I blow it too. Like it is very necessary for me to have a hug because right now he doesn't speak right now. He doesn't understand much. He is just 18 months. It's really important for me to have a moment where after I've been, after I've set the boundary to come and hug him after so that he knows that, okay, we are friends here mm-hmm. and I'm not in business. I'm not uh, down to hurt you. I'm not here to hurt you. It is very important for me to have that conversation after for them to understand, especially when you begin to have kids that talk, that understand things. And really not to believe that they are just those tiny humans and they don't have any psyche. They cannot understand or cognize things. It just, those conversations for me were missing in my childhood. You know, like the bridges, Mm -hmm. like this is happening for this. This is happening for this. It's so, it's very important for you to see this. And those are bridges. And growing up for me, I didn't have those bridges. So sometimes I can find myself, I go overboard a lot. You know, and I've just made peace with that. But the, the 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 very thing that I've made peace with, the most important thing for me is to be there after. Mm-hmm. Meaning you felt this. What did you experience? 
um, I'm sorry for that. This is what I meant. It is so crucial for me right now. But in the action of it, I am really okay. Like, I know I'm going to come from a loving place. If I turn off the TV, you are disappointed. It's okay for now. And then we're going to have that completion conversation. And I really lean into it at this moment. This is where I am. It's like, I really made peace with that. And my question to all the parents here is what meaning have you made about yourself if you were to put boundaries? Like really to question all those. And this is how you work with your shadows. And by shadows, I'm talking about the parts of you that you disown. Because as you are willing not to show up the way your parents showed up for you, you are resisting that. Sometimes it gets you to feed that energy. Sometimes you get to actually precisely show up the same way you are trying to avoid with your kids because you are resisting that. You know, and my question would be really like, what is coming up for you when you're about setting boundaries? What meaning do you make about yourself? You know, and really question that and really question that all the way down until you see that you've made how you show up in the relationship here bigger than who you are. Yeah. And you are really all you are really the space where all of this is happening and you get to choose at every like as soon as you uncover all those biases that you created, all those stories that you created about setting boundaries, about being assertive, about being authoritative with the kids. What is your own relationship with authority? Because you get to be the authority in the house. You have to be the authority in the house. What, is, what are all the stories that you created with it? And are they true? It is very important to question all of them. It is very important to uncover at least all of them so that you can know when they are being activated and so that you can see when they are being activated for the right reasons. Or, and because very often we show up in parenting as the rebellious kid. We show up in parenting as a rebellious kid to our own parenting that we received yeah. instead of showing up as a lover to those tiny humans that we have here. So what am I showing up as? Am I just resisting my own parenting here? Or am I being fully loving of those humans? And you have the answers when you are able to dive in there to ask yourself, what is going on right here within me? You're going to know. You're going to be like, oh, oh, this is what's going on. I'm just trying to rebel against my own dad here. Yeah. I, can, I can feel my dad in my head or my mom in my head, and I'm rebelling against what she did, even though there is some level of truth in what she did, but you put it all in the garbage because you don't want to show up how she did. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that truth that was there in her expression that she probably didn't know how to bring up in a loving and balanced way, you are not passing it down to your kids. So you are giving them your own version of imbalance totally. just because you show up in rebellion to your own parenting. To me, the best way is to really question, to really sit with yourself, what was really going on with it, within me then, you know, and you will uncover your truth. Oh, it's so true. I grew up in a because I said so household where it was, oh, yeah. like, you, know, you know, that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so that TV was going off because I said so, or what, whatever it was, because I said so. And I have forever, my whole life been the kid with my hand in the air saying, but why, but why I want to learn more about why. And, you know, in direct response to, because I said so. <laughs> and yeah. so I found myself at the beginning of my journey with tiny humans over explaining right where i was like oh i will make sure that it's not just a because i said so response we will always be co-creating and when i'm setting a boundary i'll make sure they know exactly why and they'll feel good about it when i enforce it and all the, and like the, it was a total pendulum swing right i was doing this just as you were yeah. describing the same imbalance was happening just on a, it, it, in reaction to my lack of healing there right and yeah. so as I started to heal my wounds there, I could find that common ground and be like, ooh, you know what? I can both provide structure and um, boundaries and rules for them 
and provide the emotional support of like, yeah, I know what it feels like to be disappointed. And like, that's really, when I look back, that's what I wish I had. I love that I had the structure of like, they were going to set and hold boundaries. What was lacking for me was the, yeah, I know what it feels like to be disappointed too. I'm here with you. It's okay to feel disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the part that I want to bring in, you know, but like it takes, you're so right. It takes that healing to be able to even see like, what's my reaction here all about? What am I trying to do? Absolutely. So I I really love that. And it is very important to know, to, to question all the unconscious reaction. Mm. It's really important to make your reaction there be very conscious. So my invitation for all the parents that are listening to all of this is to become both the, the observer of the action and observe yourself when you are setting the boundary, when you are, because it's so easy to get triggered by your kids as well. You know, it's just like so crazy, even for myself. I hear my son scream and he is hypersensitive like I used to be, but back home he wasn't allowed to be so like overexpressive and stuff. So I shut that part of myself down back then. And when he he often screams, I'm like, I get triggered. I'm like, stop it, right? And it's because within me, it's also activated. And it's a part of me that I had to shut down. And it's really necessary to become conscious. And in the beginning, for me, I was overreactive. You know, it's just like I was showing up as the oppressive dad that was actually getting him to shut down a tiny bit his sensitivity. And then he caught up. It was like, when I started the same questions, when I started questioning it, what is really happening happening for me when he begins to scream? And then I was like, I remembered one memory of me being just asked to shut up so many times. Mm-hmm. So it's just like in those, in asserting those boundaries, it is very necessary to become conscious or uh, to at least observe the unconscious things because we often happen to lose it and we just turn off the TV enough. Uh, all the moments where you just become an archetype of like very authoritative, like all the way to the end, it's just like question what is going on within you there. And very often you will find that there is an unhealed part of you there. And as you allow yourself to navigate better your emotions in those moments, your kids shift immediately. It is magical how it has happened for me because there is projection is always or triggers. They are always a two-way street. They are only ever going to trigger something that was in you to begin with. And when you, when you heal that aspect, there is nothing to be triggered anymore. And then they self-regulate as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I could talk to you forever. I'm like, yes, all of it. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Xavier, if people want to connect with you or continue to learn from you, where can they find you? They can. I'm mostly active on Instagram and my website, um, Xavier Dagba on Instagram, XavierDagba.com. That's my website. Those are the spaces where I'm the most present and I just love creating on Instagram and I love the community there. So yeah, that's why they can find me. Thank you so much. Yeah. And do you, you offer coaching? Do you have what what other services if people were interested in paying for your services and diving deeper, what do you offer? I offer coaching. I offer group coaching and I've been working on a class um, in the last few months. It is emotional sovereignty that I'm working on right now because for my, I was never taught how to handle properly my emotions, especially the ugly ones like anger, guilt, shame, Mm -hmm. fear. Like I was never taught how to navigate them. So I went through a whole part of my early adulthood and even, you know, when I was 20, I'm 31 now up to, up to, 26, 27, I was like emotionally numb mm-hmm. because I grew up as a very sensitive guy, but in the environment, it was just not allowed. Like what would, what did it even mean for a guy, for a man to be sensitive? Yeah. And for a lot of people, they have an emotional story that they are working on just like untangling. And 
for me, mental health is really emotional health. Mm-hmm. And how do we learn how to navigate and to receive our emotions with grace? Uh, there is an avenue of peace that opens up in life in general. So that's what I'm working on. But for now, I work uh, in group and one-on-one. That's what I do for now. I'm so excited about your course too. That's awesome. Keep me posted. I will do. Xavier, thank you for hanging out with me. And I'm so glad that you're raising humans. I am so glad. I am challenged. I am all the, like, I feel it all, honestly. And if there is somebody out there, if there is a parent out there that is thinking it's easier for somebody else, I'm just sending you so much love. We are in the same boat. And some days I shame myself. Some days I guilt myself. Some days I feel like I'm a super dad. And it's just like, it's all of it. So I want to honor all the parents that are here, like teaching and like teaching the kids for the next generation. Mm -hmm. And as you are working on yourself, cleaning up your act, this is how we create a more beautiful tomorrow. So I want to send you, like, I assume that if somebody is here in your community, they want better for their kids. Mm -hmm. And we are only going to get that as we allow better for ourselves in the process. So I want to send you so much love in that journey as well. Thank you. That's gorgeous. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you so much. I love this. I love this. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.